You're listening to a DM podcast. We are underway. G'day, guys. Welcome to Talking League. We're a weekly NRL fantasy podcast. I'm your host, TK, and I'm here with the boys, Andy. Howdy, TK. Howdy, Josh. <laughs> He's back making jokes. Corbs, how are you? How are we, gents? Yeah, just stop it. <laughs> All right, on the show tonight, we'll be previewing. The Cowboys are my team, and it's my dream to see them at the top. The Cowboys are my team, and it's my That is very country, boys. Mm. Oh, I, I haven't really heard a lot of them. So this is good. I'm getting a bit of insight. Yeah, I haven't heard a lot of them. Like, I haven't made some up, really. <laughs> <laughs> the Warriors one? <laughs> it is what it is. But, boys, Cowboys, really interesting tonight because the last show was with the Knights, which a little bit of adversity and a little bit of kind of changing of the guards. But Cowboys, new coach, a lot of new players, a lot of returning. They had a lot of injury players last year. So we've got a lot to discuss. But you excited for the Cowboys, Andy? Very excited, TK and Corbs. It's a lot of uncertainty, but a bit to talk about. So that's good. Plenty of rep players here, Corby. Yeah, there's a couple of um, key positions still up for grabs. And it'll be exciting if a, a few certain players get in there. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what. Uh, Bowman's has to say. Yeah, so tonight on the show, we've got North Queensland Cowboys head of performance, Paul Bowman. So he'll be running through exactly what they're up to in the preseason. Before we get to Paul, please, just a couple little tidies. Uh, head over, please, to the social media pages and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Talking League Pod, and Twitter at Talking League One. Thank you to everyone that shared the show and shared it with your family and friends. If you can, and you've got access to Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. You can also do that on the Facebook page. Now, the Talking League Fantasy and Tipping Comps, that's open now. $500 cash prize for first place. So please enter now. Invite all your family and friends. It is free to enter. Head over to TalkingLeaguePod.com for more details, or you'll you also find all the information you need in today's episode notes. All right, guys, let's kick things off and catch up with Paul Bowman. It's 30, 30 degrees in Townsville today and 20 degrees only here in Sydney. In terms of planning a season, especially up there, and you've played before in, in the Cowboys as well, how do you plan for an off-season when you know essentially it's going to be a lot hotter and consistently hotter up there than it is kind of down south? Yeah, look, it's something that we've got to live with up here, the heat, and, and you can't, to be honest, it's hard to avoid. And, you, um, you know, if we trained at 5.30 in the morning, well, it might be one degree cooler, but you sort of, um, then you're cutting into sleep and that for the players, which, uh, you know, I've always been about, um, I suppose, the big rocks of, uh, you know, recovery and performance and, and then, and, and really getting a good night's sleep. It's one of the best things they can do for recovery. So, you know, we try, we've been basically starting our sort of prep for sessions around seven o'clock. So at least the guys can sort of sleep or get, you know, a decent um, decent night's sleep in. It, it might be a degree or two hotter, but, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like I'd rather they get some sleep and then we manage the heat in terms of, um, you know, make sure their hydration's good. We have slushies sort of that they can have pre-session, pre-curling, uh, pre-cooling and, and then, then post as well and 
and hydrotherapy post session. And I mean, you know, if, if it's ridiculously hot, then we got to increase the drink breaks and yep. and stuff. So um, yeah, it's hard to avoid. And, and like you say, it's um, it's not, definitely not going to be like that when we travel to Sydney or anything. And it's, it's important at the end of our pre-season that we do really reduce the volume and reduce the time in the heat just to try and wash away that um, that sort of residual fatigue of the of the pre-season because it's a, it's a long time up there in the heat and um, you just want to make sure that you, you know, reduce our load appropriately so we can wash that that fatigue out so they're not, nice and fresh come the start of the season. Yeah, Paul, you know, you played in the, those 2000s and how much is the role and just kind of the training stuff? Like I know now you use GPSs and heart rate monitors. There's nowhere to hide pretty much. How much has training changed from when you were a player to now you as a conditioning coach? Yeah, it's been a huge change. And, and as you mentioned, you know, the, the GPS and and then heart rate monitors, uh, vision, you know, drone vision at every training session. Got GoPro cameras at the back of training drills and that now. So, um, you know, every morning before we go out in the field, there's vision of the day before. And so if guys are... Um, you know, uh, uh, hiding in drills or not doing the right thing or not running the right lines or not defending how they should. It's sort of picked up straight away and mm. and um, everyone's, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a 200-game player or, or haven't played a game yet. They're all, you know, held accountable to the same sort of standards and, and what the expectations are from the coaches and, and from the playing group and that as well. So, um so they know they're going out on the field, and it's sort of like, you know, you can't um, can't hide anywhere, and and um, just got to bring your best effort every day. And and they, of course, from when I played to now too, there's just been an absolute, you know, explosion of research and and, and studies as well. You know, the amount of um, of, of research that's gone into um, mm. Training practices and that with you know AFL clubs and plenty of other professional clubs and rugby league clubs being you know um, aligned and and associated with universities and and stuff. It's, that's that body of work and body of research is added to, to I suppose helping us um, you know in terms of what you know what research has shown is effective and and. You know, and research is showing that they're not going to be recovered uh, until you know, you know, seventy-two hours sort of post-match. Whereas, you know, back when I played, we just we might play on a Saturday night, and then we'd be doing a conditioning session on the Monday, which yeah, you know, but we didn't have any research or anything like that back then either. So, you know, now we've got research from around the place that'll tell us when, you know, when they're when they're recovered and and when we can you know hit them with an appropriate. Training goes, so we, we've had, we've got the advantage of having that um, that research um, that can help guide what we're doing as well. So there's, there's been lots of things that um, that have enabled and and facilitated that big change, I suppose, in in, in how we train. And that. Paul, do you guys do much Olympic lifting? Yeah, no, we do. Um, you know, it's one of the you know, best movements, um, best exercises we can do in the gym in terms of explosive power output and, and, and get triple extension, which which is something that, uh, you know, that, that you want um, in terms of increasing that um, 
the explosiveness and the, the speed and power on the field. So we do. There's, there's plenty of modifications to 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 how we lift. You know, some guys can clean, uh, some guys can't, just because guys yeah. have had wrist injuries, or you know, um, we don't do too much snatching, just because most guys have had shoulder yeah. uh, recons or issues in the past and that too. So you can still get a really good triple extension with like a high pull. Um, and your clean pulls and, and guys that can catch can clean. Guys that can't catch, you know, they're just doing like a, a high pull on that. But there's plenty of variations um, of those Olympic lists. But, no, they're definitely uh, a pretty standard part of our, of our program, yeah. Yeah, Paul, you know, the, the old school sort of bench press, squat, deadlifts, is that still amongst the program? And do the boys get pretty competitive in the gym? Yeah, no, that's, that's they're still – sort of uh, cornerstones of of our program, those, those big exercises. Um, and, yeah, we, we have a really competitive, um, um, I suppose, feeling or competitive uh, environment. The word I'm looking for in the gym, um, you know, at the moment we have four sort of racks set up and rack one, typically the the lighter guys and rack four, you've got your guys like Jason Tamalolo and the big heavier guys. But, yeah. Again, like the field, everything's monitored in there. We use gym awareness um, to uh, to do like uh, monitor speed of lifting and that barbell speeds and that. So um, you know, guys can be lifting weight sort of relative to them, but then we can look at speed. So you can look at the speeds across the three or the four four racks if you if you like, because um, they'll be lifting um, weights that are. If we're just going off who's lifting the heaviest. Obviously, the guys at the end are gonna. Um, guys in rack four like Jason and, and yeah. Hefty and guys like that are going to lift the most but um, there's ways we can look at you know relative strength and barbell speed and we you know again we can use all of that to help us not only prescribe um, what the guys are lifting but also it does uh, increase that competitiveness across the group and mm. that's sort of why they're in the game they they all love competing so that just facilitates, um, you know, even greater effort in that in the gym. So, yeah, the, the boys love it and they, they get up for it. Yeah, Paul, in terms of like a power-to-weight ratio, because you've got some really good athletes in your squad, who would you say kind of would be the best power-to-weight? Um, oh, there are some guys that, you know, like guys like Frankie Milo that are heavier guys, but they, they move at pretty uh, – pretty, um, Rapidly at the same time, uh, Ruben Cotter is probably a, a little guy, but uh, you know, mid nineties, ninety four, ninety five kilos, but it, he's very strong for his for his uh, for his size. Um, you know, Hesse's a beast in the gym. Um, some of our lighter guys, like again, like guys like Jackie Campbell, they're only small, eighty five, eighty four, eighty five kilos, but they um, for their for their size relative. You know, pound for pound, they're um, they're up with the yeah. the heavier guys. Yeah, mate, Tamulolo. We all saw his power that he brings onto the field. Is he like that in the gym as well? Uh, yeah, he is. He probably um, he, Jason's the type of athlete that if he really wants to, um, if he really wants to do something, he'll, he'll do something. So he works hard in the gym. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if he really wants to. Um, prove a point. Um, you can see some 
pretty uh, amazing things from him in the gym and that too. So, um, you yeah, know, he's, he's definitely, um, I mean, he, you know, he's 116, 117 kilos, but he's, He's moving plenty of weight and he's moving it fast as well. So yeah, I can he's imagine. A real, he's a real beast. Paul, in terms of leaders that you know direct training and are more vocal out there, who who's the kind of guys that really stand out in that department? Uh, obvious answers are, are sort of like your captains, and got, Jace is probably more one that's leading by example, more so than than actual talk. But um, but, but you know, more goes. You know, he's vocal as a captain too, but then the senior guys like Jordan McLean um, and, and your halves and that too are quite vocal. Uh, Moose is he's always quite vocal, but it's it's been good this pre-season. Actually. It seems like a lot of younger guys are, are finding their voice in that as well. Guys like Tommy Gilbert, who you know, haven't, has only played a dozen or so games, but um, he's, um, he's finding a voice of training, which is... Which is really good, actually. Yeah, is Tom? He's an edge player, right? More uh, in the middle. Okay, more in the middle. But he did play on the edge a little bit last year. But um, yeah, he's he's, he's uh, you know 90, 98, 97, 98 kilos, sort of playing in the middle, which is a little bit of a, uh, I suppose that's more like yeah, almost he's heavier than Dallas Johnson was, but it's yeah. Um, these days you. You tend to see, uh, if you think about Jace playing lock in the middle, and he's 116, nearly 20 kilos heavier. Yep. But, um, you know, maybe with the way the game has sort of changed with a couple of little rule changes, there might be a little bit of a shift possibly back um, towards those guys being fractionally lighter. Yeah. That sort of, that third middle, or, you know, with the game and that with the six again and all that, it's definitely probably a place for that. That middle four that's uh, possibly a little bit lighter and and really you know hard worker and and that so um, time will tell on that but I don't think um, it was definitely a year or two ago it was the game was definitely skewing towards um, you know most sides are playing pretty much like three front rowers I suppose mm. like in the middle there with um, the thirteen the guy being Pretty heavy, but um, yeah, there might be a shift back um, with a few rule changes. Yeah, mate. You mentioned your captain, Michael Morgan. You know, we had, we saw him with shoulder and calf issues last year. How's his health going into round one? Yeah, he's going pretty good. Um, shoulder's still a little bit of an issue. He just um, had a little bit of an infection, um, which that sort of delayed. Um, so he ended up going in for surgery, basically in the COVID shutdown, and, and we were hoping he'd nearly be right by the time we started playing again. Although that came around a lot quicker than everyone expected, I think, with yeah, um, yeah. Peter Volandis and that. Yeah. Uh, so that possibly caught us on the hook a little bit there. But then he did get a little bit of infection, which which sort of hampered things. But um, no, he's getting back to to uh, to full fitness. Been doing all the contact work and and coping really well with that. So. We're pretty confident, um, yeah, he's going to be okay. We've been doing a fair bit of opposed work that, that he's been involved in. So, um, yeah, he's going well. That's great. I think he's getting a bit of confidence out of training, yeah. Yeah, nice to hear. Now, mate, Val Holmes, interesting because of his comeback from the NFL. Was that, in terms of trying to transition him back, 
because of the different demands of each sports, was it always going to take him? Because we did see him play quite well towards the end of the season, but was the transition always going to be slow? Like, how's he kind of the transition from this time last year compared to now? Yeah, look, I think he's a better place than, than where he was um, last year in terms of when he started um, and, you know, obviously come from the uh, NFL and an adjustment that was that was with the training, but he's still, it, it, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, it was awesome for him playing Origin, but that then basically negatively impacts on on his pre-season because he, uh, him and Hesse didn't start till, till pretty much after Christmas. So, um, in terms of that position that he that he wants to play at fullback, there's a, there's you know a lot of running um, and work rates are really high and, and way different than um, to the type of fitness that was needed to play in the NFL, Yeah, I suppose. So it's still a work. In, he's still got plenty of work to do. Like he, he's been working hard through January and and uh, and going well. But um, yeah, another another month will be good for him just in terms of... And, and also then more football in that position will, will be good for him because it's just, it's a pretty big adjustment. Um you know, training the way he was training there for for twelve months, and then and then coming back in and, and wanting to play um, play fullback. Yeah, so it, there's still work to do there, but he's working hard, and, and um, the work will pay off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, mate, one of the fan favourites, the Hammer, the young bloke. He, he looks like an absolute specimen. But is he the fastest in the club? Yep, yep, definitely. Um, he's uh, obviously we saw what he could do. In a, in a couple of our games, as well as in the nines, like in the start of last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he, he's definitely the quickest. He's, uh, the coaches are they're continually into him about uh, opening up and that because he sort of, he's, he's a type of athlete that just does, um, if he's, um, we're playing a game here and he's making a bit of a break, he'll just do enough to show he beats the guy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Toddy's into him a bit about, um, Making sure he opens up and puts his foot down straight away, and instead of running and scoring in the corner, he can run around and score under the post a little bit more effort. But um, yeah, it's a, again a work in progress. But he's exciting and he's a talent, and you can't um, always like had a car and that you can't coach speed or yeah, for sure. Uh, Has he put a little I mean, bit of weight can, on there, Paul? Yeah, look, it, it natural progression. He's going to get bigger. He's still growing, and he's going to um, he's going to get heavier, like. When he's in, you know, a full, the full-time system and gets a few pre-seasons under his belt, where he's, um, you know, getting plenty of volume in the in the weight room, so he'll continue to to put weight on and and uh, but you know, not at the expense of um, his quickness. Yeah, another young gun that impressed last season was uh, Dejan Azzi. He always looked like a real good prospect. How's his pre-season been? Uh, not too bad. Um, we've all been there. Me being a player, I know what it's like. After you come on and you play a few games, and and um, you probably get a little bit complacent about how you're going, and can sometimes enjoy the off season. So yeah. he, he'll be the first to admit he probably wasn't in the best shape he he could uh, could be in coming back, and and um, yeah, like uh, we we we. Uh, as coaches and that we tend to lose lose our memory a little bit there in terms of remembering his age and, 
I played a few first grade games and then uh, yeah, we thought we were uh, going a lot better than we were. And yep. um, we've all been there and we've all uh, we've all come back and paid for it in the preseason. So he's paid for it a little bit because he, you know, he probably didn't come back in as good a shape as uh, as he could have been. So he's physically he's um, he's had his struggles this preseason, but um, he's. He's definitely not been struggling like with the ball, and in terms of his composure and his ball playing ability, there's been sessions where, um, yeah, he's really shown that he's um, really got a great ability to to play what's in front of him and to, and and to to make the right option and to make the play. So, yep. um, yeah, physically he's got a bit of work to do, and um, he'll he'll learn as we all do. We, we get a bit of experience and we realise that it's probably better not to let ourselves go as much in the in the time that we have off. So pre-season's not as hard as it, uh, as it has to be, but um, he's definitely you know got plenty of ability, that's for sure. Definitely. Now, final question, Paul. Just in terms of players just impressing you that are doing things like extras and once training's over, just doing those little one percenters, do you have a couple of guys in there that, that are always doing that? Oh, like Tommy Gilbert springs to mind. He's always doing that. You know, we've got a good look, good bunch of hookers, Reese Robson, um, Jackie Granville, Ruben Cotter, like they're always doing stuff. Um, yeah, so the, the, the coaches have made it a bit of a, um, you know, we've got this craft, I suppose, which is like extras and working on your little individual um, skills and that that you need to work on in your game. And, and that sort of become, instead of that, just being a few guys, hanging around and, and the usual suspects doing it all the time. It, it's pretty much become a standard sort of become the norm rather than the exception or the, and that, which is, which is good to see. So the so guys, most of the guys have, they've all been sort of working hard and we've need, we, we've needed to, and we have to, like we, we haven't had a, a big influx or we haven't really had any changes in, in personnel. So um, you do what you always done, get what you always got. You, you sort of like, we haven't, haven't, had a very a good finish for a few years now, so we haven't really changed. The squad hasn't changed over much at all. Lockie Burr's come in, but we've had lost a couple of guys as well. So um, the you know we they, we all need to get better and we all need to improve if we want to climb the ladder. So um, I think they've embraced the fact that they need to do that and need to get better and, and work on their game. You can't just be happy to do what the coaches prescribe. Mm. Um, for you every day and think well that'll be enough and I'll um, get better because everyone's doing that every club's doing that yep. like um, they need to go above and beyond and work a little bit harder on, on their game and that, if we want to improve and, and climb the ladder definitely mate well mate all the best of luck for season 2021 and I really appreciate you, you joining me on the podcast and giving me some insights mate so really appreciate it no worries there you go all right, guys, big three, and one of the you know the big, big well, Temulala, Morgan, and Holmes are the big three. But let's kick off with Lolo, and he's at eight hundred twenty-seven k, consistent performer year after year after year, break even of sixty-two. Everyone wants him, seventeen percent. Andy, he's just a weapon, PPE weapon. I think it was one last year, a, a little bit less than that two years before that, but then one again the year after that. Uh, oh. How do you not put him in your team? He's he's definitely going to be there end game, but the only problem is 
everyone else is going to have him in his team. So yeah. If you can get another player for a little bit, like maybe a Madison. So Madison actually is cheaper than Tomalolo, but scored without the low game of his injury is 63 fancy points. He's a little bit higher. Mm. Corbs, is he a little bit too expensive for you? No, he, he, but he's that player that you, you want to have by the end of the year and you know he's just going to rack up points week in, week out. So he's a good one just to start. Oh, I was looking at McInnes, but he's dead to me now that he's signed with the <laughs> So he's probably – and I'd, I'd like put the, the feelings aside. I just don't know what's going to happen with the McInnes, and we'll talk about that later when we go into a bit more detail with positions. But he's probably looking at my um, top mid now as that just that solid um, gun mid. He's, like you said, he's just Mr. Consistent. And uh, from what Bowman was saying, he would be impressive to watch in the gym. Oh, unbelievable. He, of, he could throw oh, some tin around. I'm sick I of going like a little girl just watching him like, oh, I can't lift that. I'm sick of going after you two because you kind of convinced me because <laughs> I wasn't going to go anywhere. I was going with my boy Tohu and I was and both Cam Murray. They are my two top picks because of that dual positioning. But now you've, you're kind of like – Talking to me around to this Jason Tomiolo guy. What, why were you? Why were you not going to pick him? Only because like eight hundred twenty-seven k. I just thought I could throw it around and be a little bit fancy and fit more players in. <laughs> but now Ch- maybe you don't. Oh, you, you killed me now. Maybe I'll just join the seventeen percent and pick him up. Well, last year he had a high of nine hundred thirty-one k. Yeah, uh, that's an extra one hundred ten k than what he is now. He definitely played the back east season. Injured because his last five games he only averaged forty eight. Started the bench a bit, didn't he? Yeah, it was an interesting one. So let's hope. Oh, he, he definitely has had plenty of time to get over any kind of niggling injuries. So that front last year, round one to ten, he averaged sixty five, which was higher than his season average of sixty one. So maybe I'll just pick him up till that round ten, and then I'll make some money off him, <laughs> get rid of him. Boys, uh, probably a little bit more contentious one is Michael Morgan. We all know he's a star player. He got them. To the grand final, won him a grand final in 2015. But just that injuries, like when you think he's only played just over the last three years, 36 of 65 games. So he literally has missed 50% of games. And last year killed me because he was out for 10 weeks and every week he was, oh, he's coming back this week. I'm glad because I was going to pick him, but you got him before me. Killed me. And I ended up dropping Jamal Fogarty. Probably lost the comp to Corby because of this. It was my <laughs> own decision. But 516K, break even's 39. Either either of you having a look at Michael Morgan? Uh, I don't think so. His shoulder injury has just been too much of an issue. Last year affected him. And even here in Bowman, still injured. A bit yeah. of infection in the shoulder. So I just – like I like him. I think he can. He has a potential to score high. But if he's, if he's not 100%, I can't, I can't go there. Mm-hmm. Corby? Oh, I was excited when he said going well. And then the next sentence, <laughs> shoulder shoulder's still an issue. And mm. then I was just like, oh, red flag. Mm. He his scores were just sporadic, those few that he did have last year all over the place. If he can stay in the park and you take the gamble, he, he's one of those gamble players because he's averaged at a 38. And if you can get up around that 50 average, you're making about 200K straight up. Yep. Um, if, but then, if, if. yeah, the, you, that's right, the big if. But you've got blokes like Lamb and Chanel who are cheaper and probably have – a yeah, younger, well, more durable, right? Yeah, more durable, younger. We agree on that one. Yeah, correct. Yeah. All right, let's keep moving on. I can't even get my buttons <laughs> right again. I need to get a button guy. 
Anyway, Valentine Holmes. I'm going to take this one because I'm a big fan, even though that he did come back late from origin. Just his break-even of 37, really attractive. 489K, only owned by 5%, which is good because everyone's owning pretty much Teddy and Tommy Turbo at the moment. So back into last year, last five games, he had 350s. So hopefully he goal kicks again. If he goal kicks during the trials, I'm a big buyer. Corby, are you going to support me? Yeah, even like looking back to his last little stint at the Sharkies before he went and tried his NFL mm. gig, his last eight games he had that 60 average. And then it felt like you just touched on it before. His last few games he was starting to find his groove again and uh, he sort of got his conditioning with that fullback, which everyone was talking about last year. Goal kicking, massive plus, and he can save you about 350K on someone like Teddy and that gives you plenty of coin in other places. Yeah, imagine it becomes a 60 again. Did we just convince you to give him up? <laughs> I, I was against him, but yeah, I just think with he would have a great combination with Morgan. So if Morgan's 100%, then I'm picking Valentine Holmes. I, I wasn't going to pick him, and then I was going to go Luttrell instead. Yeah. Then I keep reading things, looking at Luttrell again. He's pudgy again. Yeah. <laughs> so I think obviously coming off the hamstring tear, but I'm gone, I'm back on the Holmes wagon. It's interesting because their brother-in-law is Michael Morgan and Val Holmes married to two sisters. But if they can keep them all in the park because Drinkwater missed games, their hooker, Reese Robson, missed games, all very good players, but they just didn't play any footy together. Imagine they put a season together. Hey, a pre-season. <laughs> like scores could come out, but let's move on. I think we're, we're pretty much locking in Valley Boy, but – Hooker competition, I just mentioned Reese Robson. Great start to the season, and unfortunately, because he got injured, we just didn't see him in the back end, but now he's probably valued a little bit too high, 658K. Mm. The guy that we really need, I don't want to mock anyone, but we really need Robson to be injured again because this Cotter, he can oh. play footy. 500K, break even of 38. Andy, you had him. You stole him from me. I had him, and I was cheering because I had McInnes as well, and he was my number one pick, and usually you have your solid uh, hooker. But then he got the dual position. I picked up Cotter, put Cam into my yeah. into my mid or sorry second row back then, and put Cotter in, and he was scoring a solid fifty. So Nearly was, saved you from your backs, eh, Corby? <laughs> no, nothing was going to save him. Even just the the talk there from Bowman about his strength as well. And look, if he plays, he's definitely the player. He he might even edge Wade Egan as my hooker if he's if uh, Cotter. Gets, if there's no reserve bench, if Robson doesn't have got a bench, then I'll pick him. But I just see they're going to split too much minutes yeah. for these two to be relevant. Corby, what's your your take on this hooker competition, mate? I was looking at Peyton. He played two hookers last year, mm. and he's got forwards like McLean, Maguire, Tom Alolo, who have got massive engines. Yep. Mm. So he's got the – he can play those two hookers, like play the hooker off the bench. Uh, I just I don't know if you can safely have any in your team with the job security. Yeah, it's a good point you made about Peyton. I'm glad that you went back and had a look at kind of his coaching style because that kind of rubs out both guys until one of them just takes the spot permanently. But <laughs> style, not going to do that. And so. even if there is an injury, there's still Jake Granville and hiding yeah. in the trees just going, come on, get injured. He's annoying. <laughs> He's annoying. But let's move on, boys. Name that you did mention is probably – there's two I want to talk to you guys about, Josh McGuire and Cohen Hess. They're kind of like the – the Queensland yesterday hero, because they, they've had some great performance. I had Josh McGuire last year, and when Tamulolo was out, he really stood up because he was playing 80 minutes week after week. At one point, he was averaging plus 60 points. But 
just with everyone that's been mentioned, they've got a whole rising. Tommy Gilbert's been mentioned. The way the game is changing, I don't think suits Josh Maguire as much. The speed. Considering 702K, break-even at 52, the low ownership probably shows where he's at at the game. Corby, what are your thoughts on Maguire? Yeah, he he has improved big time. He His points per minute from 2018 to 2020 jumped 0.18. So he was playing the same minutes and scoring 40 average 2018 up to your 52 last year that you were loving. Mm. But I, he's, yeah, I can only see him getting that prop and you've got others that are going to be coming in and taking his minutes in Burr, Gilbert, Molo. McLean. Then you've got Lalo and McLean yeah. who are going to be there as well. I I think he's too pricey for what he is now. I don't think he's going to get the big minutes that he has enjoyed last year. His demerits, when you think how many penalties he got, like he – one game against Melbourne, the first five minutes, they had the ball when he calls Grant a C-bomb. Like, <laughs> with the ball, he goes for 10 minutes in the first five minutes. By the time he comes back on, it's like 20 nil against Melbourne. Like, he just has brain explosions. The amount of missed tackles, he's, if he took out all his missed tackles and penalties, he would average like 75. Like, he's horrendous. Are you backing us up here, Andy? Yeah, I'm, I'm away from him. Okay. He's also pushing 30 years of age as well. Yeah, good point. He's <laughs> Less he's, minutes, right? I, I, look, for the price, you can get a Twal, a Papalai, a Papali'i, yeah. and a Takiahau. Yeah, yes. I agree. Totally. And now, next one, Cohen Hess. Remember two years ago when he used to score a try every game? Great average oh, back great in the day when he's first. Yeah, 48 he used to average. And that was back in the old rule. So when you think the equivalent, he'd probably score like high 50s with today's game. But he just hasn't got it. Like, dropped him after Origin 1, Wayne Bennett did. Break even of 42, 559, that still does not tempt me. Not for, for price, no. Nah, Corby? Yeah, he's just down on meters, tackle bakes, tries, just that big four from Grace. He's a no. Cool. I like you're, that. You're saying he might, do you reckon he might get that edge spot back? Yeah, I think he'll start on rep, He'll start on reputation. Do you reckon, Corby, they'll give him one last crack? And they've got yeah, some, did he, did, was he in the Origin squad? Yeah, he played yeah, Origin so, 1. The thing has got to be a credibility for him. Yeah, and new coach, he'll he'll give him the benefit of the doubt, surely. He, he's still a good footballer, but we're just all looking at those good stats from two years ago. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fantasy, fantasy relevant. All right, we've got the big guns out of the way, but I'm really excited to have a bit of a chat because we've got about six guys that we can probably all put on our watch lists and be have different views. But the first guy we got is Scotty Drinkwater, 477K, does come in with a dual position, Break-even of only 36 and only owned by 1.5%. Now, right now, like, his back end of the season was pretty good because he missed a fair chunk a little bit during that season as well. Last five averaged 44, played a little bit of fullback, a little bit of 5'8". Again, health of everyone around him will dictate his kind of where he is. He's on my watch list at the moment. Same here. But I'm keen. Andy. Yeah, watch list as well. Maybe the... But I've got the keen than... watch list, not just the watch list. <laughs> well, not I'm the, keen. It's not the gut feel watch list. <laughs> I'm keen. <laughs> yeah, I think, he, he, look, he's he can deliver those big games. He has the potential. Um, look, if he tries to take a bit of heat off Morgan preseason, maybe he could score there. But mm. I think it's just a watch, watch list for me. So, yeah, yeah. Corby. Same price I think Corby's there. got a differing view. Nah, he's, he's one of those blokes that was killing it at Storm and – Thought he could go out there and get some extra coin and do his thing, and Storm made him look good. I actually think, didn't you write rubbish or something on the 
He said, oh, he said the <laughs> he F word no. <laughs> <laughs> On the it's run sheet, bit... you put F and no or something. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit harsh when he's played so many NRL games and I haven't, but if I'm going to critique him fantasy-wise, yeah, he is rubbish. Hey, don't, discre- him. don't discredit yourself, Josh. you got a better haircut too, mate. <laughs> All right, boys, let's move on. Essan Masters, the man that's fallen off a cliff, 386K, break ahead of only 29. He had an interview like the other day. Congratulations to Essan. He's just become a father, which maybe he's a little bit more settled off the field. Maybe he didn't like COVID. But when you have a look at his past, 2009, I had him both in 19 and 18 because he scored 41 and 37. He used to play on the right for the Tigers with no Faluma. They used to just break tackles, break tackles. I used to love it. But, yeah, unfortunate. But I'm nearly punning on him. Andy. Yeah, look, I think I'm with you because last maybe at the Tigers just had a better style of footy. They went to his side more. Come to the Cowboys expecting more ball. Didn't have it. Didn't really have that tackle break ability. Mm. New coach, maybe new kid. I'm I'm going willing to take a punt as well. I think I'll punt at 386. It's not bad okay. for a There's not much downside. And Toddy Payton's a Tiger as well. They could get a bit of a connection. Corby? Yeah, he... he- I was trying to work out why he did go – like he did drop quite a bit just in some of those attacking stats. But His defense. Remember he was goal kicking. <laughs> yeah. Also, yep. that that was a good six points per game. He he does seem to score around that 40 points when he's on song in the 2018-2019. 40 is a cracking score for a center. Especially for so 386. Yeah. 386, and, and, yeah. Yeah, and he, he is quite cheap, isn't he, at the moment. So, yeah, he's – I might look at him as well. Just a quick one. Um. Uh, is Valentine Holmes the 100% kicker, or can Isan maybe take it off him? Well, you'd think on percentage-wise, we'll have to have a look, but I'm pretty sure Val's got a better kicking percentage, and when they were both playing together, Val was the kicker. Okay. But he's got the ability to. We've seen what he's like at the Tigers. Like, he can kick, so. Are that punts on, guys? Punts on, listeners? Yeah, so next three, guys, there is probably going to be a vacant. Well, there is a vacant, because Gavin Cooper's retired, and the, there is a vacant spot. There's Mitch Dunn, 437K, Break-even of 33. Tom Gilbert, 434K. Break-even of 32. Does have a high ownership of 6%. Shane Wright, 446K. Break-even of 33 and 0.2. Before I throw over to you, boys, had a look a lot of the video of the three boys. And before we went to air, I was just describing Corby to Andy. Just the three styles are so different because Mitch Dunn used to play a little bit in the backs as well in the in the halves. He's got a little bit more of a ball-playing style. Tom Gilbert is kind of more of a nuggety. He got mentioned by Paul Bowman possibly because of that new style of play, playing in the middle. He does have that Nathan Brown sort of build. And then Shane Wright, he's just the defensive juggernaut, and he's really, really tight on that edge as well. So three different types. So he's got – it could be interchangeable. Maybe one of them just gets a crack. But, excuse me, on standout, does anyone stand out for you there, Corby? I actually went left field here. The way that he was mentioning um, Gilbert, but was he talking about him playing in the middle? Yes. More? Yeah, that's what I mean. He's got the Nathan Brown give up, mate. The other two guys are way taller. I thought you were going to say he'd go left field and choose Tamalolo. <laughs> no, because he's four last games at second row. He had that 46 average for only the 60 minutes. If he can lock down that 80 minutes, if say if they do play the, um, the two hookers, that would almost uh, favour Gilbert into playing the 80 minutes. But I don't think he has played the 80 before. That's only his, his only problem. Yeah, but if he's doing all those extras and impressing, maybe he's he's working towards that 80 minutes. He keeps the same points per minute. He's looking at a 61. And he's got the jewel too, and he does, right? Yeah, the, the jewel. Yeah, pretty he's, impressive. He's uh, a bit of a pod there. Should be 
chucking him. I don't think he will be a pod. I think a lot of people will be picking him up. He's already at 6%, so after okay. the 10,000 people listen to this episode, <laughs> yeah. 10,000 more people will be he's on him. 6.5%. <laughs> after our three mums listen to this episode and all pick, pick, pick him up tomorrow. Thanks for listening, Thanks, mum. <clears throat> but, yeah, at the moment, I'm probably similar to you, Tom Gilbert, but like I mentioned, Shane Wright, very, very good defensive player. Mitch, like, whoever gets that spot might jag a spot on my bench, I reckon. At this stage, because they're all around the same price, break even. To, I reckon the starter, whoever gets the starting position, will score more than thirty-three. Surely, if they play more than sixty minutes, they'll easily score more than thirty-three. If Tom, if Tom averages fifty points in the first first three rounds, he earns ninety k in three rounds. There you go. So. Good stat there. All right, let's uh, let's leave a little bit spice to finish things off because the hammer. He really set the world on fire during the world uh, the nines guys, which was in, over in Perth. Pretty much as Scott Drinkwater did as well, but he's only got three percent ownership, so everyone's a little bit off him because he probably he's a highlight reel, isn't he? Because he had a couple of really good tries, but in terms of those base stats, not quite there. Bowman probably scared me a little bit when he said that he, you know, they can't get him to put the afterburners on. He just mucks around a little bit too much at training. I'm probably going to avoid him at this stage, Andy. Oh, I heard that, but I heard it as if he. Knows he's better just running to save and conserve his energy. Mm. I liked the look of him last year. He just looked real comfortable and just floated around the field waiting for his moment to strike. Um, I'm going to have a Yakult so my stomach's nice and nice and clean because I've got a real good <laughs> gut, gut joke? Fi- real good gut feel. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's going to break even for 27. Surely he can start better than that. And he's starting He's starting as the number one winger. He, he came in round five last last year, so he didn't have that sort of preseason at that at that spot. So I'm, I'm choosing him to be a bit of a – uh, uh, overachieving this year. I'm going to call this segment gut feels because I think <laughs> Corby's got a gut feel coming up. It was, is he be, has he been training at centre? Yeah, sources? He has. Yep, he has been. Yeah, so if he can get that centre spot, you probably know, he started at wing fullback. If he can pick up that uh, round six dual position tag, he's probably, I'm going to wait for him and see how he goes in the centre position. But by then, you should have a pretty good idea of how he's going, and he could be a good pickup in centre. So you ha- he has to get the jewel before you pick him up? Yeah, I'm not picking. I don't think he's doing enough at wing fullback. And it, it, yeah, it does sound like he's going to get that centre spot. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm backing him. All right, boys, do you think that was our best? Do you think our mums will be impressed after listening to that one tonight? Well, she thinks I'm special, so either way. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, mum, for listening in. But, guys, next week on the show, we've got Cronulla Sharks, Chad Townsend, do stay in touch. We've got Jamal Fogarty from the Titans, Billy Walters from the Tigers, and Cameron Murray from the South. Sydney Rabbitohs will all be yes. dropping by. And before that, please head over to Facebook and Instagram. Find us at Talking League Pod. Twitter, Talking League One. Plenty of daily player and team analysis. Please continue to uh, leave us love on that those Apple podcast reviews, which has been great. Also, you can leave that on the Facebook page. The fantasy and tipping comps, they're open now. $500 cash prize for first place. So please head over to TalkingLeaguePod.com for more info. But boys, another cracker show. I really appreciate it, Andy. Yes, I'm so looking forward to this season. Can we have a joke next episode? Yeah, okay, I'll lock one in. Cool. Corby, do you want a joke from Andy? Yeah, I look forward to it. Right, he showed me. <laughs> hey, he had he a new joke so this morning. You know, he showed me his fantasy team. Oh, here we go. There's there's a joke from TK. Wow. <laughs> you heard it here first. That was his sixth one. <laughs> All right, boys. The app's working. The app's working too, people. Oh, that's the get, get on, on board. Make your team change it a thousand times. See you, guys. <laughs>